Welcome to another inspirational message by Pastor Ron Hammonds, Senior Pastor at Golden Triangle Church on the Rock in Beaumont, Texas. For more information about Church on the Rock and Ron Hammonds Ministries, visit cotr.com. You can open your Bibles this evening to the book of Acts. We're continuing in Acts chapter 4 this evening. And before we get there, let me tell you that our title of our sermon tonight is Family Feelings. We'll get there in just a moment. And first we're going to, uh, while you're finding the book of Acts, we're going to go and read a scripture out of Psalms really quickly. You can look on the screen and catch it. It's Psalm 68 verse 6, one of my most quoted scriptures in the Bible. It seems like I memorized this scripture early on in life and I have used it in so many places. It simply says that God sets the solitary in families. He brings out those who are bound into prosperity, but the rebellious dwell in the dry land. God sets the solitary, the individuals. God sets individuals in families. That's what the Bible tells us. And, and he brings out those who are bound, those who are, who are without, those who are trapped, those who are hidden, those who, are, who, who, have, who have been held captive, those who have less than they should, those who are trapped, those who are alone, those who are in bondage. He brings those out into prosperity. He, he gives them something that they perhaps never had had before, that they, they, they may have only dreamed of or may have wished for or hoped for, but didn't imagine it to be possible. You know, people who are bound, people who are without, people who, who don't have what they need, many times what they dream of and hope for, they cannot imagine happening. I mean... Uh, it's, 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 it's horrible to be trapped, to be in a hole, to be in a, in a, in a real problem and, and uh, not have hope that tomorrow is going to be any different. But he brings those out and this is God's nature. He, he reaches down and sets solitary in families and brings people who have no hope and gives them hope and brings them into prosperity. But those who will not allow God to work in their lives... Those who are rebellious, those that resist God, those who just are not going to, 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 to let God in, they're just not going to go with God's plan. Those who are just continuing to resist God and, and thwart his efforts in their own life, those who keep saying no to God, they end up dwelling in a very uh, dry land, in, in, in a land that, 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 you know, filled with drought. It's empty. It's, it's you know, it's barren. A family. God sets the solitary in families. You see, God has, has designed because of his will and his purpose, because of God's plan. God has one great big singular goal, one big goal that started this whole thing. That's why we're here. That's what God's doing. God's big plan, his overriding big plan is that God wanted a family. Okay? That's it. My goodness, that's, you know, that's, that's the only thing that, I mean, that's why we're here. That's what all this is about. God wanted a family. God wanted children. Isn't that interesting? I mean, have you ever just nailed it down to that is the one thing? I mean, that's, that's it. God wants children. He wants family. That's why when he could have been anything, he, 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 he disclosed his image to us as our father. That's what he wants more than anything else from you. He wants to be your father more than anything else. That's his biggest goal is to be your father. He wants family and that's all he's working for family. And he wants that family feeling. Evidently, I'm not sure. I don't know. I haven't, I, I haven't heard from him. I wasn't there, but at some critical point in God's life, at some critical moment, 
God realized or God decided that the remedy for what he wanted and the remedy for what he was missing, what he wanted to feel some spot in his existence, some spot in his life, was that he wanted a relationship with family. And so he decided as he looked across as he could because he is, he is you know, all powerful. He can see the end from the beginning. And before the foundation of the world, he had already understood that it was going to cost him everything he had to have a family. But he determined that the family was worth it. The same picture we get with Jesus as he was approaching the cross. The Bible says that, that, that they, he despised the shame he did not want to go to the cross, but he endured the cross, even though he despised the shame because he saw the other side of all of the pain. He saw the other side of all of the, of, 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 of the pressure and the hurt and the cross. He saw joy that was set before him. He saw eternity. He saw us all together uh, fulfilling God's biggest hope and dream is that there would be, you know, family. God would have family, not just servants, family, not just angels, family. This is what God wanted. It's all he wanted. He said that we are his children. That's, that's how he introduced us to us. Isn't that interesting? That's his promise. His biggest promise is that you could become a child of God. His biggest promise is that he could become your father. His biggest hope. I mean, all of heaven jumps up and down, screams and rejoices when somebody says, okay, I'll be your kid. And God adopts them. They're born again. And they're made a part of the family of God. I mean, that's the whole big deal. That's, that's this whole deal. That is Christianity summed up. That's the world. That's, that, 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 that's history. That, that's future. That's eternity. All summed up in the fact that God has one purpose. He wants family. And do you know that there is a God gene in you? Some of you identify with it more than others. But without it, I promise you, there's an empty spot in your life. Some people try over and over and over and over and over and over. You know, lots of times, look like, look like that, you know, first, second, third, fourth marriage would have done them in. Nope, they still want another one. <laughs> Why? Because there is a, a drive. God, did you know, I mean... While I'm on this, do you know why God hates divorce? He's been divorced twice. Do you know your heavenly father's been divorced twice? Once from, you know, Israel and once from Judah. He said, Judah, look, I divorced your sister. Don't you think for a moment I won't divorce you if you act like her? You know, he understands the turmoil, but yet he presses on. And, and like he told Moses, look, if they're not going to be family, then I'll get me another family because I'm going to have family, Moses, and I'll have them through you. He said that to Solomon. He said that to David. He said that to Jeroboam. He told Jeroboam, I will keep you. I mean, if you'll do and you'll follow me, man, i tell you what, I will bless you and your family and y'all can be with me and I'll be your God. And we'll, you know, what he told Abraham, he said, Abraham, I respect you because I know that you're going to raise your family to be my family. I mean, come on now. It all points at this one desire, one purpose of God, to have family. 
That's what God wants more than anything else. The Bible makes it very plain. I'm not sure that we can understand or grasp that. I, I don't think that we can. I don't, I don't think that we have. I don't think it's been taught or understood in that simple of terms. Uh, but, but let me try to explain it in a, in a, in a, in a way that maybe, maybe we can have a paradigm shift. Maybe, maybe we can take a step and understand it. And going forward in life, uh, it, it will help set some of our perspectives. You see, every message that God inspires through a preacher or through a song or through, you know, uh, something that someone writes, every message that God inspires is designed to change your life forever, to change what you think, to change what you feel, to change what you want, to change what you believe, to change what you're pursuing. Every message is designed to, 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 to set us up and help us to be better for the rest of our life. Every message is designed to make us un, more, understand God better and, and please Him more and become more like Him. The Apostle Paul says there is no greater joy than to know that your children are following you, you know, and walking in the Lord and doing what's right. There's something wonderful about what God wants that we also want. It turns on the inside of us. We want it. Sometimes people are in real connection with it and sometimes people aren't. But let me try to put it in, a, in another perspective. I'm going to talk about something completely different and then I'm going to like pull the curtain back and I'm going to say, see, that's the way family is. Okay? So don't be a surprise when they get there, okay? But go with me over here first. Have you, uh, well, how many of you got to eat today? If you wanted to, you got to. Okay. Was it okay? Did you get enough? Chick oh, Chick-fil-A. How many times do you go to Chick-fil-A today? <laughs> Isn't that wonderful? That's wonderful. Let me tell you something. We're blessed. We get a lot of food, don't we? I mean, we are super blessed. Oh, my goodness. We get, oh, praise the name of the Lord. I got to eat everything I wanted today. Whew. You can tell, can't you, Leonard? <laughs> I saw him grinning at me like that. Yeah, I got to eat everything I wanted, all I want. You know what? I'm going to eat again when I get home. Amen. Sure will. It's hard for us who have everything we want to eat to imagine what it would really be like to live in starvation. I don't mean just to be hungry for a day, to miss a meal, or to not have what you want, to, you know, go on a vacation to, you know, some country and they don't have the food you like, so you eat less. I'm talking about starvation. I'm talking about starvation to the point of death. Starvation to the point to where you lay down every night and you try to go to sleep, but the pain is so gripping that... The emptiness is so haunting and it's screaming at you and, and you're afraid and you're alone because you know that tomorrow is not going to be any different. Starvation to where you're not only laying in your bed, but you know that your children are, 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 are in the next room or are in the same room and they have had nothing to eat either. And you know that one of you will die tomorrow. One of you will die because there's no food starvation 
Country after country experiences a drought and people dying. You see the pictures of little children on the, on the, on the television as they're raising money. Haven't you seen them with their, you know, nothing but bones and, 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 and their stomachs swollen and, and their eyes and flies are all around their eyes and they're matted and they're looking at you through those. I mean, not even enough energy to say, help me. You know, starvation. Can you imagine starvation? How horrible it would be? How different it is than what we experience? Starvation. It's real. We know it's real. And to some degrees, of course, we, we deal with people occasionally, whether it's someone on the side of the road begging or someone that, uh, that, that we know personally that is going through a difficult time and we know that they may need a little bit of help. I mean, they may not be in starvation uh, per se, but, but, but we know that they don't have what they need and so we help them a little bit and, and sometimes we pass on by them and sometimes we're even perhaps a little judgmental or maybe even a little critical, a little hard-hearted at times because somebody might be holding up a sign that says, you know, I'm hungry and we, we think, you're not hungry. And sometimes it's true. You stop and you offer them a hamburger. They don't want that, but they'll take the $2, please. Okay? But there are people who are literally starving. We need to understand starvation is real. And for those people who are starving, it is horrible. But we can see that. We can see the difference between us eating and people starving. We can see the difference between those people who, who uh, in, in years gone by, we've had pictures of in Ethiopia who, were, who, who, who literally were just dying, dying every day in hordes. We can see that. God has designed us by his design that we need food. We need food in order to live, and that's God's plan. And without it, we will die. We will not get to live the life God wants us and designed us and created us. He created us with a need for food. But we can see that. And many of us know, well, we're okay, and so we're able to go to sleep at night without worrying too much about people who aren't. But do you know that someone who is hungry, someone who uh, is starving, someone who has no food, do you know that they can only get food from somebody that does have it? Amen. Somebody that has no food cannot get food unless they can get to someone who has food. Whether they buy it from them or it's given to them or they steal it or they pull it away, whatever. They can only get food from people who have food. Isn't that interesting? You see, it's the same thing, same principle. Eternal life. Okay? You were dead in your sins and the only way you could get eternal life was to get, get it from somebody who had it. God. Okay? I mean, that's the only way to get it. You got to get to the guy that's got it. Now, if he would sell it, which he won't, you'd be willing to buy it. If he would let you work for it, which he won't, you'd be willing to work for it. 
Why? Because you'll die without it. You were designed to die eternally without eternal life. And there's only one place you can get it. And you can only get it from the guy who's got it. And I'm sorry, but you can't buy it. You can't work for it. It happens to be free. But what you have to do is give him your life in exchange. Make sense? Same thing with starvation. People who are starving can only get food from people who have it. Now, let's take that step from starvation over to family. You were designed by God to need food. To need eternal life. You're also designed by God to need family. God designed it so no one could even be born without family. You can't be born unless you're born by a man and a woman. Constituting God's perfect design of family. It's just not possible. That's the only way to get here. And you have to get life from somebody that has it. But we are designed to want, need God's perfect for us is that we would have family. Family. Some of us are driven by it. It's it's one of the greatest blessings of life and one of the greatest disappointments of life. Family. Right? It's one of the greatest challenges, one of the greatest hopes. Family. Family. We're designed by God to need it. Just like we're designed by God to need food, you are designed by God to need family. Without family, you cannot survive. You cannot live. You cannot live. When you're born into this world, you can't live if somebody doesn't love you and care about you and take care of you and provide for you what God intended for families to do. And we carry that need like God does, that critical need in his world, he has carried that need now for thousands upon thousands of years. He's carried it every day. And his need for family, his desire for family, his want for family, he passed that on to us. And God will do anything. God God gave everything to have family. God wanted family so bad. And we also have that same drive, that same desire. But the only way that people can get family is to get it from somebody who's got it. The only way that a newborn baby can can get a family is to get it from the family that had them. And sometimes that doesn't happen. Because sometimes families don't give family. The only way that a child without a mom and dad can have a family is if another family is willing to foster or adopt them and to bring them in and to give them family. Sometimes, you know, uh, uh, people, you know, see children that, that, that have no family and, they, and, but, and I have family, but they don't, but I'm not going to give them part of my family. I mean, I have food and they don't, but I'm not going to give them any of my food. Hello? Oh my goodness, it's getting a little bit raw in here, isn't it? And sometimes we try to give, sometimes God tries to give eternal life and people say, no, thank you. The rebellious live in a dry place. Sometimes families try to be family. You're just trying to be family. You're just trying to give them family and they don't want it. And so you end up, you know, they end up in a dry place. 
Do you know it breaks God's heart when somebody says no to eternal life and to being a part of his family, to be one of his children so he can be their father because that's the only thing he wants and it breaks his heart, but it happens every day. Be like trying to give somebody food and they're starving and they're no, no, no thank you, no. <laughs> or I'm not taking it from you. They dwell in a dry place. It's like trying to give somebody advice that really needs it and they can only get it from somebody that's, that has it, <laughs> but they don't want it. But most of the time people do. But those people... Most hungry people want food, but the people who have food may not be willing to share the food they have with the people who really need it. And so they can only get it from somebody that, that, that has it, and the people who have it many times aren't willing to share it. You can, there are haves and there are have-nots. And I'm not talking about rich and poor people. I'm talking about people who have joy and people who don't have. I'm talking about people who have patience. I'm talking about people who have family. I'm talking about people who have uh, means, who have advice, who have wisdom, who have, you know, uh, uh, people who have Jesus and people who don't. There are haves and have-nots. And, and you cannot take the have-nots and, 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 and reach the world. You can take the haves and reach the have-nots, but you can't take the have-nots and reach anywhere. Why? Because they have not. This is one of the theories of church planting. One of the reasons why we, we aren't an inner city church is because you can't take an inner city church and reach the world, but you can take a church of halves and reach the inner city and reach the world. Jesus understood that. He made himself friends of some very important people. Why? Because he wanted to meet the needs of all the people who didn't have anything. But you can't meet needs if you don't have what it takes to meet them. Even feeding the 5,000, they had to find a little boy that had something that Jesus could use. So my point is, is that sometimes we can see people starving, we understand that. We can see eternal life, we understand that. But sometimes we don't see what might be one of the more important aspects of our existence as humans. We may see someone and we may realize that they need family. And we have family, but we'll just drive on by. Because that particular need does not seem to be on the radar very much. But yet it is the one purpose of God. It's the singular purpose of God. So I think it should be and should figure into God's family that it should be a part of our purpose to be family. Amen. To be more than just passing Sunday morning, Wednesday night acquaintances. But to actually care as though we were brothers and sisters and act that way. That brings us up to this truth that you know, family is the single most important plan, will, purpose, and pursuit of God. It's family. Nothing else in the universe or nothing else in eternity matters as much as family to God. It's the only way to get to heaven is to be born again as a child of God. Now, there's no other way. 
On the day of Pentecost, in Acts chapter 2, where it's recorded, 3,000 people said yes to being born again. And they became the family of God in the earth. Some of these believers returned to their native countries and cities, and, and some of them, many of them, stayed there in Jerusalem and became a part of that first church family. We continue reading in Acts chapter 2, uh, we, would, we would find this. Uh, uh, don't, conceivably, a few thousand people, two or three thousand people probably stayed there, a couple of thousand anyway. The church is growing and it's big. And, and we get to Acts 2 and verse 42 and it says, And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and breaking of bread and in prayers. Then fear came upon every soul and many signs and many wonders and signs were done through the apostles. Verse 44. And all who believed were together and had all things in common and sold their possessions and goods and divided them among all as anyone had need. That's what families do. That was a family response. Verse 46, so continuing daily in one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house. I mean, they, they, they were fellowshipping. They were eating together. They were, they were worshiping together. They, they, they were doing, they, they ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. Every day, new people were be adding to the family. Isn't that amazing? Now, the church family was growing in those days, and every day people were being born again, and, and there, there was such excitement and such powerful results of them acting and being like family. They were like family. I don't know what, what all of a sudden a realization came to them that they were not just a bunch of individuals believing the same thing. They were not just a bunch of individuals that, 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 that had decided that they were going to, you know, come together on Sunday and sing songs. But they were family. They, 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 they were doing more. They were feeling more. And, and, and uh, you know, they had all things in common. They had this humongous, uh, you know, church garage sale. I mean, they, they didn't give away their only pair of shoes or something like that. But if they had some extra shoes, they brought them and they sold them and they helped people in the church who didn't have shoes. They were acting like family. I mean, come on now. If, you're, if, if you all lived in the same house and there were, you know, um, you know six kids and, and you know, uh, uh, one kid had three pair of shoes and one kid didn't have any shoes. Hello? If you were one family... How would it be in your house if, in your family, if three of the kids got to sit down and eat every day for dinner and two of them were emaciated and didn't get to eat anything? Would you think that that would be a pretty bad picture of a family? If the three extra pork chops I have at home are mine and I let my brother starve in my family that's not family so a lot of people in the church it was growing every day we go along about anywhere between one and three years somewhere right in there going along after Pentecost and and uh, uh, and and all of a sudden here something happens okay uh, Remember now, God didn't just save people. He didn't just begin a church. God birthed a family. That was his desire. And in chapter 
3, a man got healed. And in chapter 4, you know, uh, Peter and, and, and John were arrested and, and they were told not to preach anymore. And then, uh, but it, it already happened that 5,000 more had gotten born again. So now that's 8,000 at least has been born again there in Jerusalem, okay? And the church is probably five or six, 7,000 maybe. Can you imagine waking up one morning and you have three children, but you are so pregnant that before the end of the day for sundown, you have five more children. You woke up that morning with three, you go to bed that night with eight. And problem is tomorrow you're going to get up and you're just as pregnant. Whew. It's a growing family. That's what happened in the book of Acts. So we get now to where we'll pick up where we left off last week in Acts 4, verse 32. We did all that to get right here. Now the multitude of those who believed were of one heart and one soul. You know, about, you know, six, 7,000 in the family of God here. Neither did anyone say that any of the things he possessed was his own. Sounds like family. But they had all things in common. Now, let me tell you up front. This is not doctrine that we teach. This is not a commandment of God. This is not something that you're supposed to run out and do. Okay? This is a testimony. It is a description of what happened here in this case. It is an example. It is a pattern. But it's not a practice that, 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 that we teach. We don't teach this for doctrine. Okay, everybody, when you get born again, everything you have has to come to the church. That's a David Koresh kind of thing. You know, that's cult stuff. They weren't a cult. But this is the reality. Something happened to them when they got born again. They began caring for one another. And Jerusalem was undergoing a lot of persecution, a lot of trouble. Uh, and, 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 and the church was under a lot of, uh, you know, and, and they, they, you know, people, there were people that were being, you know, that, that needed. And there were poor people being born again. And, and, and people coming into the church, people were actually caring about one another. They cared about how you're doing and, 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 and what you're going home to and, and, and what your week going to be like. And, and can we help you? And I mean, I got an extra, you know, you can come and, you know, work with me. You can come and, you know, uh, you know, can, uh, you know they, they, they were caring. And I'm certain, I know for sure, because we'll read about them probably next week. I know for sure they had some people in there that were trying to take advantage of people. You're going to have that. They had it then, we're going to have it now. But we can't not care about people because we have to slap some hands. Or call the life out of some people. Acts chapter 5, okay? <laughs> Can't be stealing from the family of God, okay? I mean, you know, the, the apostle Peter said, listen, it was yours. You could have done anything you wanted to with it. God wasn't commanding you to sell and give. It was something that, that, you know, people were doing because they wanted to help. They didn't want their brother or sister to starve. And they felt all of a sudden like they had brothers and sisters. They felt all of a sudden as though that they, they had family, something they hadn't felt before, something that God was hoping would somehow trickle out of his heart and into our hearts when we get born again is we would legitimately begin to care for one another. We would legitimately look, look as much on other people as we do on ourselves and, and not want anything to happen to them that we wouldn't want to happen to us and that we would care and help them and, and, and encourage them and get them to stand up. And certainly if they don't work, they don't eat, but we need to make sure they don't starve before we get them a job. Hello? That's family. They had all things in common, and, 
And with great power, the apostles gave witness to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and great grace was upon them all, nor was there anyone among them who lacked. My goodness, can you imagine that? In Jerusalem in that day, all of a sudden, they, they, they met all of the needs of the people. Brenda's got enough stuff in her storage room that can meet most of your needs. We're going to open it up next week, and y'all just come for a visit, okay? We did that one time. I had a garage sale one time. I had a $32,323 garage sale one time. And we probably gave away 30000 more. Listen, do you know how much stuff we're not using that somebody else might could use? And I'm not talking, this is not, this is not doctrine, it's not commandment. And it can't be done trying to make something happen. You can't make anything happen. You can't work to get saved, but if you are saved, you'll probably be working. Okay? You know what, you know what I mean? There are things we do because we feel like it. And I think that sometimes we may not feel the family feeling that God is hoping that we will feel. Maybe it's not been preached. Maybe it's not been taught. Maybe, maybe you, you've, 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 you've not been uh, you know, imagined that God is looking at us as family. And here in the first church, they all of a sudden realized something. I mean, they, they weren't commanded. Nobody was made to do anything. But people were coming and volunteering and doing things and, 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 and not, not, not giving their only, but giving some extra. And we're not just talking about money, okay? And I'm not on a food drive or a, or, or a clothes drive either, okay? Don't get me wrong. I'm teaching principle here, okay? Not issue, principle. None of them lacked for all who... Uh, were uh, possessors of lands or houses, uh, uh, and, and there's every indication that these were not their, their main uh, uh, necessities, that they sold them and brought the proceeds of the things that were sold and, and laid the apostles' feet, and they made distribution to each as anyone had need. And, and, and Joseph, uh, who was surnamed, uh, also named Barnabas, this is where Barnabas comes into play, uh, by the apostles' which is translated son of encouragement. He was a Levite uh, of the country of Cyprus. And we, and, and, and we can infer that since he is mentioned that this did not, did not everybody did this, okay? But there were some particular people who did. And they were noted that having land, sold it, brought the money, and laid it at the apostles' feet. Now, why did they do this? It's because they wanted to. It's not because they had to or it was some commandment or it was some church doctrine. But it's because they wanted to. This is the family of God in action. Um, this is a description of what people do who care about other people. And indeed, this is an extreme example. But not every example has to be so extreme to still meet the needs of people who have needs. Sometimes the simple need that someone has is an encouraging word. Just five minutes of your time. Something that you would give a brother or a sister. That you may not recognize the person who is born again as a brother or a sister. But we're family. We are family. You know, families have their own problems. But one of the things they do is they do care about one another. That's God's hope. This practice, like I said, is not taught. But it is evidenced 
Acts chapter 2, Acts chapter 4, later on in Corinthians chapter 16, other places that the church cared about their brothers and sisters. That they cared that other people were not just left to fend for themselves, especially in desperate moments, in desperate places. You guys do well. You know we reach out from this church. We don't, we don't have to. It's not a commandment. It's not a mandate. Nobody makes us do it. But we reach out from this church every week to help people who don't have. We take some of what we have and we share it with others. We share it with others in our community. We share it with others in communities all over the nation and around the world. We care. You are acting like a family. You have no legal obligation to help anyone. You, you know, but you feel like you care. You feel loving. You feel compassion. Like, you know, I mean, you, you may never even meet that brother in, 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 in you know, South Africa or Somalia or, or, you know, in Pakistan. You may never even meet that person in Indonesia. You may never meet that person in Mexico or in, or in Argentina. But you are a vital link as a family member reaching out of the love of God out of your life and touching their life and meeting a specific need in their life. You're doing it every day. Every day. We should care. This particular passage in Acts, because we're going through the book of Acts, I got to Acts chapter 4 and I got to these passages and I said, Lord, how in the world can I teach these passages? Give me some way, Lord, that we can understand this because it is, it is hard to read through that because all of a sudden, you know, okay, am I supposed to do that? I'm supposed to tell everything I got and give it to poor? Am I supposed to, I mean, am I supposed to, you know, bring everything I got to the No. But the intent is to show that God's heart fell on these people. And as far as the church was concerned in Jerusalem, they felt like they were family. And they cared about one another's needs. They were meeting needs. Acts is all about the family of God. We should recognize the plan that God has and the work that, that we have to accomplish His will. The biggest thing that God wants for us is, number one, to accept Him as our Father so that we can be his child. And number two, God wants us to accept one another as brothers and sisters. If we can get those two things, loving God with all your heart, your soul, and your mind, and loving others as you love yourself, on those two things hang all of the Word of God, all the prophets, all the Psalms, all the law, all the Proverbs, on these two things. What you see here in the book of Acts, giving your life to God and then loving others like they are your own family, treating others as good as you treat yourself. That's what this passage means. And we see it in action. They got born again and they began caring about one another. They didn't just bring money to the church so that the church could have a bunch of money. They met needs through a common, loving, caring God. Well... They didn't love like this to become family. 
they loved like this because they were family. I pray that we don't let other people feel the emptiness that only family can feel. Reach out. Realize it's a legitimate need. It's a God need. Don't be selfish. Don't be stingy. Don't be greedy. Don't be judgmental. Don't be critical. Don't be condemning. People need the Lord. And people need you.